It's just you and me now, Megatron. Then you better get some help, Prime! Oh no. I've been waiting for this chance. Fire! Welcome to Double Impact, the podcast where we double back on the movies that impacted us growing up as 90s kids and decide whether they hold up today or are best left in the past. I'm Tristan. And I'm Greg. And today we are genre-bending. Genre-bending. What are we doing today, Greg? It's a little different, isn't it? Uh, yes, we are doing a little uh, special episode for, in conjunction with our good friend at uh, Movieverse. Big friend of the show. Yeah. Big, huge friend of the show. So uh, Movieverse Instagram handle, which uh, provides regular, fresh, entertaining content on similar topics to ours. The the king, I would say, the king King of of. film nostalgia. Yeah, there you go. If you're not following at Movieverse, you're missing out. This guy has separate accounts. He has like five separate accounts. Movieverse is the good old rounder, but he also has one dedicated to Showdown Little (laughs) Tokyo, which has the biggest fan base out of all of his followings. Yeah. Amazing. He's got one for Police Academy. Obviously. <laughs> He's got one for Police Academy. He's got one for Empire Records. He's got one for Robots in Movies. He, he's, he's hitting all those nostalgic sweet notes. Follow him. Like him. He is the man. Can I give you a little story about how, how we met this god of Instagram? Yes. So recently on my uh, vacation to Europe... I found myself in Italy with pneumonia and asthma and bedridden. And so I decided to spam people on Instagram. <laughs> so I was, I was messaging a lot of uh, like-minded Instagram accounts and um, actually at you the time. You were growth hacking. I was growth hacking, I suppose. And at the time it was, the, um, it was actually the Showdown Little Tokyo account that I was chatting with, but I hit him up. I was like, hey, we've got an episode about that, the, the whole thing you Instagram about. You should give it a listen, yada, yada, yada. He gave it a listen and we got to talk it and he's, it turns out we're both great people. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we've been shouting out each other ever since. But then, of course, uh, more recently, Movieverse has run a very, very contentious, um, uh, uh, what would you call it, a, a final, a definitive survey on what is the ultimate 80s cartoon of all time. Definitive survey. Definitive. And I think he's had over 10,000 votes in this thing. Damn. Damn. Um, we have gotten to a winner, and if you've read the, the name of this episode, you know what it is. But should we go through what the final four were? I believe we should. Yeah, I believe we should. So I think in fourth place we had uh, Muppet Babies. Muppet Babies who make your dreams come true. Is that actually what it was? Yeah, that was the song. That was the song. Because this is one of the things. We we said to Old Mate Movieverse that, hey, we'll do an episode on whichever one wins. And I never watched Muppet Babies. So you I'm didn't glad. watch Muppet Babies? I don't think I did. I think I had like Happy Meal toys <laughs> about it. Happy Meal toys, Frank. They had Happy Meal toys, right? They had Happy Meal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I had those, but I never watched it. Uh, number three was uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Heroes in a half shell. Uh, we've done a whole episode on that. Check it out. If you, if you haven't listened to it yet, what, what are you doing? Again, if that won, it would have been a bit disappointing because we've already covered it. Yeah. Um, but a really great backstory on that one. I recommend anyone check it out. Episode number 21. Something like that. No, less like 17 or something. Uh, that is but um, 
personally, that that's probably my biggest cartoon for that era. Is it? Personally, yeah. Uh, then we have He-Man at number two. He-Man and the Masters of the Universe. I am Adam, Prince of Eternia and defender of the secrets of Castle Grayskull. This is Cringer, my fearless friend. And this was a very close finish. Very, very, very close finish. Was He-Man big for you? He was. So was Shearer. Yeah, I was pretty, I was right into He-Man. And we were, I mean, once it got Power to the finals, Grayskull. once it got to the finals, we were like, we're happy with either result here because He-Man, it's so we? bizarre. And I think we were, we had, we had preferences. From we had preference. I wanted, I was more happy for Transformers just due to the time crunch. Because I feel like He-Man would have required a lot more research and exploration, just because it's so, I'm, 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 it's more distant to me from my childhood. I couldn't tell you what it's about, really. I just remember that there's a He-Man. Yeah, <laughs> it's the same thing. There's like a bad guy and a good guy. But it's coming back into relevance, man. Like you look at the Thor Ragnarok and the new Thor that's coming. Oh, Skeletor. The whole aesthetic for the even just the logo lockup. Wait, there's a new Thor. Only the logo so far, but it's called like Thunder and Love or something, and it's like that perfect eighties cartoon Damn. font. Oh, do you remember that episode of South Park and the lady with the boobs, and yeah. they all went into it, and Kenny but, Kenny went in. But that's a reference Damn. to an actual show. It yeah. was like rock and roll. What was it called? Yeah, I can't, I can't remember. remember. But yeah, I feel like He Man starts to get into that world of a little bit sexualized. Um, yeah, but Greg, do you know what came in at number one? He Man. Transformers. 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 Pretty iconic, right? Transformers, Morgan meets the eyes. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. I can't even do one of those. I got nothing. That's all I got. I did this for twenty minutes last night on the couch with Carol. <laughs> she just went. <laughs> that's Jason, isn't it? She sounded like the cat from Muttley. No, 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 that's the dog. Like, it's Halloween or Friday the Thirteenth. I can't remember. Oh, you're thinking. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I would. You can't do that in my house. <laughs> Not before bedtime, please. Uh. Um, well, what, what was your relationship with uh, Transformers growing up? Uh, look, I watched a lot of television, mm. um, so Transformers was definitely part of that. No, I was right into it. Yeah. I don't remember it that well because yeah, and I'm, there's you know, so many iterations too. So we're talking about Generation One here primarily, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. which born in '84. Yeah, yeah, good year. Um, so I wouldn't remember that too well, given. It came out six months after I was born, roughly. So uh, I didn't see it in, at that stage, I guess. But I did watch it growing up. Although in saying that, I wasn't allowed to watch cartoons before school. Oh, no, neither. Yeah. So I think not. it must have been on Saturdays. But a lot of people did. I was very jealous. These were the same kids that got, like, really um, unhealthy treats in their lunchbox. Yeah, where are they now? <laughs> yeah, it's a good point. No. I wasn't expecting you to say that. I thought I was the weirdo for not being allowed to watch cartoons in the morning. No, it was... I obviously had pretty liberal viewing rights in the evening. Yeah. Um, yeah, with your Gremlins being the first movie you saw <laughs> in a cinema at three or four. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it was a big, it was a hard no in the morning, only on holidays and weekends. Me too. But somehow 
So just uh, for our global listeners, in Australia there were a few morning TV show institutions, one being uh, Agro's Cartoon Connection. And I'm, I'm familiar enough with Agro, but I wasn't allowed to watch morning TV, so I'm not sure how I got familiar with Agro. Same. Yeah, it's interesting, right? Maybe there was a Saturday version, not sure. Best of. Then there was Cheese TV. Cheese but I remember getting TV. to school and everyone's talking about like Samurai Pizza Cats and all this shit, and I'm like, I can't watch that. I don't know what that is. I think I saw a couple episodes. Samurai Pizza Cats. Yeah, exactly. They're fighting crime all over town. Yeah, there you go. Uh, Transformers was pretty big, man. I had. Did you have any of the toys? Hundred percent. We had a. Of them. Um, all no. of them? Did you have all? Of them? No, I don't know. I had. I definitely had a, a good few. I we had um, an Optimus Prime in our house, and yeah. you know it was so sturdy. It was like solid metal, like it was heavy. It transformed mm. and everything, but it was you know toys these days are plastic and light and. Would you go as far to say as they don't make them like they used to? They don't. They don't make them like they used to. I would I would confidently say that. Oh, that reminds me. I also had like a Adam West era Batmobile that Adam was solid West. metal. Adam West. Why is the cat called Paul? <laughs> um, but I had the Adam West Batmobile and it was solid metal. Like it, you could hurt a kid. Like you, you don't make kids toys like that anymore. It's the kind of thing that's probably worth a lot of money because I don't even know where it came from. It could have been like my mother's or something. But my point is quality toy. Quality franchise. Don't make them like they used to. Don't make them like they used to. Good quality American product. (laughs) This is true. This is true. I assume. Yeah. Or at least at one point it was. Should we get into the origin story? Yes. Origin story. So this is a pretty cool story. Are you familiar much with with this little backstory here? I understand it to be a marvelous story. Oh, interesting choice of words there, Gregory. How I was so? hoping to I was hoping to give you a little surprise with that one, but Sorry. you probably know where he's going. But so this was the second in what proved to be a very lucrative model for Hasbro, but we'll get into that in a second. But ultimately, in a far away mysterious land called Japan, a toy called <laughs> Microman was being manufactured. Microman is is essentially what the more modern versions of G.I. Joe were based on. So they, they licensed these toys from other countries and repurposed them and whatever, right? Um, they made a spin-off of the Microman series uh, called... Microman. Microman. Small Man. Diaclone. Oh, okay. Oh, but speaking of Microman, did I ever tell you when I was young, me and Jono try to write comic books? And we would draw characters, and one of the char- the main character was Microman. Oh yeah, and it was from Micronesia, <laughs> and the bad guy was a, a guy named Jacaranda. Ah, are you able to post any of these uh, early sketches? Uh, my mum might Instagram. have them because I used to draw them, and I sent one into Disney Adventures magazine and got it published. Oh, you made it into Disney yeah. the back bit there, those the, all the letters and stuff. Yeah, and I, my picture of Jacaranda got in there, and they sent me yeah. all these textures and art stuff. I entered in one one year and they were doing the big Christmas. Remember they had the big Christmas giveaway? Yeah. In like Saturday morning TV, before Cheese TV. Yeah, 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 yeah. And there was this big giveaway and I'd I entered a bunch of times and I didn't win. And I was like heartbroken. My mom really? Had to, my mum had to console me for I won 15 minutes. I won two other things from like sending in shit. One was the Milo Yo-Yo. Remember there was that promotion yep. to win a Milo Yo-Yo? Yep. I won that. There was a lot of them. But I also want a Milo TV, mini TV in your hand, oh. handheld TV, which was huge in those days. I mean, it's 
the thing was bigger than a fucking, it was the size of a brick with a screen the size of a Game Boy. <laughs> and it didn't, didn't do a lot. <laughs> and you had to tune it like a radio. It had a slidey thing. But this was huge, yeah. man, because I could watch sneaky things in bed at night, things that I wasn't allowed to watch, Greg. Like what? Like Sex Life and whatnot. That was a TV sex show. Sex Life. Remember that? Sex. Yeah, Sex Slash Life. Life. Sorry, again, Global Listeners. Sex Life was a weird TV show that was on Channel 9 at some point. It was supposed to be sex education, I think, but it was pretty much as a young man, the only place you could see boobs because yeah. the internet wasn't around yet. We didn't have remotes in our TV either, so I had a TV in my room, but it was one of those ones you click without a remote. Dude, before I had that thing, you'd stand right up like, <laughs> in case someone comes. Yeah, yet or you'd, or you'd click it over really slowly because they knew you were changing the channel. Yeah. <laughs> so you'd have to go really slow and go like. Uh, how did we get here? We're talking about Microman, the character of mine. Um, anyway, Microman, the toy line from, from Japan, they made a spinoff called uh, Diaclone. Now, Diaclone is basically a. A, a proto-transformer. These were vehicular-based things that would you could transform into a humanoid form. Sorry, this is early 80s, by the way. Di- Diaclone was 1980. Then there was a spin-off called Microchange, which was transforming into, like, guns and, like, cassette tapes and things. Ultimately, Hasbro um, saw this at a toy fair in Japan, a man named Harry Orenstein, in 1983 at the, at the Tokyo Toy Fair, discovered these great toys and was like, I'm taking this all the way to the top uh, of Hasbro. And they were like, this is great, we're in, let's fucking do this. And so they bought both, they, they whatever you call them, licensed both of those under how, one range. How do you reckon that goes? It's did, fascinating, isn't it? Is, it? is it like a? Is it like in the cartoons where they pitch a toy, kid's toy? We're going to make all those little bastards in America want one of these. Like big, like in big. Yeah. But what does it do? It's a building or whatever it is. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's a kind of, that's a good point because it's one of those ones, it felt like a cliche when we were kids of like the pitching the toy thing. Mm. And I, when I was reading it, I was trying to make sure that, wait, Hasbro didn't rip this off, right? They licensed it. But yeah, they, they did license it. But I couldn't imagine it happening these days. I feel like it's so global now that it would just be created for a global mm. audience. Yeah. So yeah, it's interesting. But, um, they were like, yeah, let's fucking do this and let's use that good old G.I. Joe model. So previously with G.I. Joe, they had the toy, I believe they licensed the the action fi- the Microman action figures or the, at least the, the technology or the whatever, the move, I'm moving, shaking my arms, you can't see. <laughs> but the way G.I. Joes move, all those different joints, that, yeah. that's Microman. So when they did, when they did G.I. Joe, they worked with none other than Marvel Entertainment to make a Marvel comic and co-produce an animated series. So they were, they were like, that fucking works. Let's do it again. Oh, the part I left out there, which makes me extremely envious, Greg, is that G.I. Joe cartoon and then as we get into it, the Transformers cartoon, I believe, was a co-production between Marvel Productions and a company called Sunbow Productions. Now, Sunbow Productions yes. is part of yes. an ad agency called Griffin Bacow Advertising Agency. Now, Greg, we work in advertising. Why do we have departments that make kids' cartoons? Like this is – how good is that, man? We're not making cartoon animated series about stuff. No. The closest well, I got to is when I used to work on Lego. I work in finance and insurance. So I'm not- yeah. I used to work on Lego and we would get some – I wouldn't make cartoons, but we'd get to at least like 
have them in the mix. But man, like imagine as part of your ad agency, you have a kids animation production company. That's fucking cool. Anyway, I'm very yeah, jealous of that. Damien Young. Yeah. Um, but so they replicated this model for Transformers. So the guy from the advertising agency again, I'm green with envy here, Greg. Um, the guy from the advertising agency came up with the name Transformers, and I guess he got it from the fact that they um, that they they transform. They are, perhaps they're not really either <laughs> human or robot. They're, they're, so they're trans. <laughs> That's a good point, actually. It's very progressive of them. Very. All right. So at this point, they've got a product, they've got a name, but they ain't got no story yet, Greg. That's where. Marvel comes in. So same with G.I. Joe. They did it again here. Um, Marvel produced a rough story concept for the series. Uh-huh. That main kind of idea being the two factions here. We've got the Autobots and you've got the Decepticons. Um, they gave them all names. And there were some pretty heavy hitters involved in this. So at the time, the editor-in-chief at Marvel, Jim Shooter, Ah, was was leading the charge. Big dog. Um, he was he was uh-huh. he was involved in the Uncanny X Men, Fantastic Four, and Daredevil. And another veteran, Dennis O'Neill, who was um, a big deal in X Men. He was ah. he was partly responsible for Charles for, Xavier. There you go, Charles Xavier. You got this. Really? That actually was. Did you actually know that? No. No. So his whole thing is like he was a big part of making Charles Xavier a big character. Yeah, I just picked a guy for that was. X Xavier, <laughs> pretty prominent. Yeah. Anyway, just kidding. I knew that. Did you? No. <laughs> this is such a roller coaster of emotions. Sorry. So many emotions. Greg. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so these were heavy hitters of Marvel. Yeah. But that initial stab, they were like, "It's okay, but uh, we need more. We bring another guy. We bring in Bob Budiansky. You may know him from Fantastic Four, from Daredevil, from Spider-Man. Wait, what did he do? He made them? Um, these are all writers. He wrote about them? They didn't invent them, but they were writers for a period on those comics. Yeah, but but instrumental. Is that, is that hard to do? It is. It's not hard to do it shitly, but a lot of these. Do they this, create the stories, like, like the interweaving? This is, this is the thing. This, yeah, this is the golden age. Well, I don't know what the actual golden age is, but this is when Marvel's like at a height and a lot of the stuff that's being made into movies now is It's from, its formative years. Yeah. It's the, the stories we see now are based on these A lot of the stuff that happened, these, but the storylines specifically yes. are like this era of Marvel. Like yes. they're lifting things from this yes, era of yes, comic books. Yes. So if you're writing on Spider-Man in the 80s, a lot of what they're writing we've seen on screen. At like this his point. uncle dying. I think that's pretty original, old Spider-Man. But yeah, but there's the different sagas and things. Like they're all. Yeah, sorry. What do you Greg. want? <laughs> I I appreciate your enthusiasm. Greg I'm doing my best here. <laughs> Greg, Greg's not a superhero guy. Um, anyway, they bring in Budiansky, uh, but it seems like he became kind of the main guy Budiansky. for Transformers. He was involved in um, writing the series, but also in writing the movie. So he became kind of, I think, the go- the Bible, the gospel of Transformers, it seems. He gave them better names and drove the story forward. <laughs> Potentially. Okay, so it started as a bi-monthly four-issue comic book miniseries, three-part TV pilot and a series of toys. The comic and the TV show went on for a very long time, as we all know. Interestingly, they, they both kind of branched off into their own continuity. It wasn't so much a connected universe that we oh. kind of see these days. The designs got further refined and over the different series, the product, the toys informed the series and vice versa. And so 
as new toys got launched, new characters emerged in the show, which is all kind of nice, right? We'll get into that a little bit later, I think, in terms of branded content and whatnot. But then ultimately it got made. I think we all know what, what happened there. Transformers. Generation one. Robots in disguise. Yeah, so that was the pilot miniseries uh, launched in September 1984. Then they already greenlit season one after that, 13 more episodes later that year. Then season two comes along, 49 episodes the following year, so 1985, 49 episodes. And the reason they did that, Greg, is for whatever reason – you get a 65 episodes, you can go into proper weekday syndication. So I think before that, they were limited to Saturday weekday mornings. Syndication. Yeah, so I think that's when you get that high rotation. Jeez, I never thought of that. I it's never a volume thought of that. game, baby. It's a volume game, baby. Because also, apparently, when there was a strike in the animation deal, they could have gone with a network deal, which would have made it stay within a network. Um, but then you don't get that sweet syndication money, baby. <sighs> so syndication just means it gets played on a number of networks. No network owns the rights to it. You just kind of pimp it out and it can go nuts. That's how like Seinfeld still makes millions of dollars a year just from the show Seinfeld. Although initially it was NBC. Yeah. Anyway. Um, now it's just everywhere. <laughs> after season two, we went into the movie. We went into the movie in 1986. Season three then picked up directly where the movie left off in 1986. Another 30 episodes. Then you get to season four with only three episodes in 1987. It was a three-part miniseries. And that's Generation wow, 1. Wow. Wow, wow. So it's only four seasons and a lot more wow. kind of singular in its story arc than I th- first thought. So I think the season two gets a bit more sprawling and episodic and you can kind of watch any episode in any order. But outside of that, there is a story unfolding as you go through these these episodes. Yeah. Yeah, so that's how it got made. So this is a little different for us. Usually this is the point where we play the trailer and we recap the movie and we go into what we thought about the movie. But uh, to be honest, Greg and I didn't have time to watch um, what looks like 80 or so episodes of Transformers. So we each just kind of chose our own path of what we wanted to watch and get reacquainted with. What was that for you, Greg? What did you go back and revisit for this gem of a cartoon? Uh, Look, I watched episode one, series one. Really? That's cool. I would say from the from the opening credits, it was a a gushing flood of nostalgia Ooh, juice. Yeah, I like it all over my face. <laughs> nice. Just the soundtrack. Yeah, the visuals, the colors, that aesthetic, the motion, the whole aesthetic. Because it's kind of, I think it's, I think it's feel. less. It's not many frames per second that animation. I think. Yeah, it's very 80s. So standard is I think 24 frames per second or whatever. I think this was probably like 12. That's why it looks so like jaggedy a little bit, but yeah. it's part of the charm. Part of the, Beautiful. That's the, that's the charm. Yeah. Yeah, there were some um, particulars. The the interstitial sort of like scene change where they're like Decepticon and yeah, with the good guys. Yeah. Autobots, when they go like did the little logo change, we'll have to. 
Get, yeah. We'll get that on the Insta handle yeah. for a nice visual. Yeah, That nice. was like, oh, yeah. That was nice. That was, uh, that were my sort of, it was, it was very nostalgic. I had a few more questions. Yeah. About the show. So I, um, I watched most of the movie and then found the thing I was watching on YouTube didn't have the ending and I was like, fuck. <laughs> Could I help by giving a synopsis perhaps on. The arc overarching story? The, the universe of. What was the overall story? Well, I think you got to go back to the dawn of time. Um, since the dawn of time, humans have asked the question, are we alone in the universe? Mm, okay. Is there someone just like me looking out into the galaxy from their homeland right, right now asking mm. the same question from a similar planet to ours? Right. Transformers explores this age-old question, asking our viewers, what if there are people just like us out there living their lives forming friendships, having families, loving, but also fighting over what is right, warring over what is right. And what if these people are made from metal? (laughs) And could transform from vehicles into robot men? And what if they mostly, but not always, had cool robot voices? Mm, (laughs) That's true. Mostly, but not always. Oh, I stopped writing. <laughs> <laughs> Just this is not closure. Oh, hang on, this is what happened in the movie. And what if those transformers came to Earth? Ooh, now I'm listening. And interacted with us humans that have wondered that question all along. Yeah. Shit. So that is what this is about. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I enjoyed that. That was it. Gave me goosebumps there, Greg. Which part? Um, the part about the um, the transformers. Yeah, because they transform. <laughs> they do transform. <laughs> Robots in disguise. But the movie, man. Similar reaction to you. I think I texted you at the time. Was just yeah. like feast for the eyes. Like it's so delightful and like <sighs> everything is so. Uh, it's not even, I was going to say polished, but it's not even polished. Like everything's computer animated these days. It's nice to see hand drawn and those hand painted backgrounds are yeah. so epic. Yeah. Um, and the, the, the jaggedy frame it's refreshing. Rate, it's really refreshing. And this movie, man, the cast of the film was stacked. Eric Idle of Monty Python. Yeah, yeah. Name. Um, Judd Nelson of Breakfast Club fame. Oh, yeah. Leonard Nimoy. Star Trek fame. Star Trek fame. Um, and Orson Welles. Of Orson Welles fame. Of Orson Welles fame, yeah. He played the bad guy. But, man. His what, last ever. Apparently, friend appearance. of the show, Michael Gunardi, says that was his last ever appearance or audio appearance. Yeah, his last ever. Thing. Thing. Yeah. And I'm unclear if those voices replaced anyone on the general roster or if these were different characters. I think Orson Welles was a new character for the movie. But, um, Unicron or something? Unicron. 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 So he was like a planet. What do you think of my robot voice? That was not bad. <laughs> now Unicron Unicron was like this big fucking planet robot thing. Oh, was that him? Yeah. Oh, yes. Right. That was him. But Kind of like Thanos. But to me the real, the real star of the, of the show was 
the fucking music, man. Holy yeah, really. shit. Holy shit. Strap yourself in. You got the touch. You got the power. Oh, you really strapped yourself in. This is electric, baby. It's like Journey. Right? What oh, a track. Snap, I know that song. Yeah. Tom Carney, friend of the show. Big friend of the show. Tom Carney Love, actor, comedian, friend of the show. Yeah. It's his favourite song. It's his favourite song. Really? At least it was in 2000. Did you think he got it from this? It must be. I don't know. Well, interestingly, the song is by Stan Bush and Stan Bush had originally written this for Stallone in Cobra. All uh, right. And it ended up in this movie. And let me tell you, it shows up in this movie three or four times at least. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, what? This is good. Because Cobra's also, quite dark. Yeah, so I can I can see why I didn't make it into this. But if his voice sounded familiar, it's because he has made some tracks from films that we know and love and have covered on this very program. Do you remember this, uh, this song? Can you tell me where it's from? Big track, big track, right? Huge track. I got one more. Got one more for you. Gosh. Yeah. I don't know if my heart can take it. (laughs) This is, uh, I'm really getting amped up over here. I'm breaking a sweat. I'm like, I've needed this all week. (laughs) Right? This one takes a while to get to the point. It's a a slight change of pace. But get it in you, feel it. Just, Just be in the moment. Yeah, it's close to that. Yeah. Is this temple training? In? Kickboxer. Yeah. It's kickboxer. Yeah. It's Franz, Hans, what's his name? Peter, hang on, no. Don't tell me. Because <laughs> I know, I listen to this a lot. And I've just drawn a blank because of my mind being, my mind being elsewhere. It's called Fight for Love by Stan Bush once again, but he's got a lot of these songs, man. Stan Bush, look, look at Apple iTunes. Yes, it turns oh, Apple yeah. Music, whatever it's called. So it turns out Stan Bush is the man. Like, put that playlist on your fucking telephone. Get it in your ears. Where's my Apple Music gone? <laughs> but man, Stan Bush, right? Yeah. It turns out it's wow. Lap, wow. Lap pack wow. in disguise. Yeah. He um. Wow. He tried to get that the original 
song, the first one we played, um, in the new Transformers movies, and they didn't get in there, unfortunately, until the most recent one, the Bumblebee one. I think because it was set in the 80s, they actually put it in, which is pretty cool. I think that's pretty cool. I didn't watch that movie though, but that's pretty cool. Yeah, it makes me want to cool. watch it. But in terms it of makes the, me want to get Stan Bush on the show. Oh, uh, Stan Bush. Can we out reach there, out to Stan Bush? I reckon that maybe the altitude <laughs> of celebrity we may be able to muster um, with our current clout. Yeah, we're falling short on um, Campaign 2000. Yeah, campaign. we'll maybe do an update at the end of the show, but Campaign 2000 is not looking good. We need your help, people. Get Van Damme on the show. Yeah. Um, however, still speaking of the soundtrack, the um, the score of the movie, very synth-heavy, uh, done by Vince DeCola. Um, of who, Cola fame? Um, <laughs> not yet proven, but he appears to be some kind of synth lord. Um, and he's created numerous albums based all around his Transformers music. So it's a big fucking deal. All but in disguise. This same guy, Vince DeCola, also worked with one Frank Stallone ah. on a soundtrack for Staying Alive. And then Rocky. Frank Stallone, not to be confused with Rocky Stallone. Yeah, Rocky Stallone. <laughs> well, then he worked on Rocky Four, which has a robot in it, right? Interesting yes. coincidence. Mm. Synergy, synergy. So, in the movie itself, this was a roller coaster for me. I was watching it. I'm like, I have no idea what the fuck's going on in this movie. Like, it was. That's when they just kept playing that song. <laughs> yeah, it kept coming up, <laughs> and it was just it was visually delightful, and I was having a great time. I couldn't tell you what was happening, but <laughs> but basically, what it, and it looked so futuristic. And what I found out was. So it goes the pilot season of the series, then it goes to season one, then it goes Story to, arc. then it goes to season two, then it jumps to the movie, and the movie jumps twenty years into the future. So the movie is nice. the movie set in two thousand and five. So they're all it's all futuristic, and the kids in like space gear, and he gets to wear like a mech suit, and that was really cool. Yeah, um, I, don't, I don't know what that is. Like a, he basically gets to be like a transformer himself. Like a big robot. Why did you know what a mech? What's a mech? Suit? Isn't that just a common phrase these days amongst nerds? Oh, guilty as charged, Greg. Get on board. Um, oh, Optimus Prime died in this movie pretty early on. Yes, which was canon. This was went on into the rest of the series too. He he had to come back later in back. later seasons. Do you know why he came back? No, why did he come back? Because so many people wrote and went WTF, mate. Oh, is in okay. Yeah. yeah, it's interesting. It plays into a, a probably a bigger topic we might cover around um, product placement. In oh, yeah. Okay. We'll get into that in a sec. Let me just round out yeah. this movie. So basically Optimus Prime dies in this in this movie and he passes the torch onto Hot Rod. If I was a Transformer, I'd want to be called Hot Rod. Well, then he gets turned in. His, his name becomes Rodimus Prime or something. <laughs> That's um, a porn star name. <laughs> you're right. Um, no, legitimately. Is it actually? Is it? No, there should be though. There should be. I was like, maybe someone got into the Rodimus Prime. <laughs> Rodimus Prime, um, voiced by Judd Nelson. But it also had all these other types of Transformers that I forgot about, like the Dinobots and uh, what were the other ones? I didn't write them all down. There was all these different names. Were Dinobots the ones where people sat on them? Because I had, what were those dinosaurs? I had really good toys from that TV show, Cartoon, that was dinosaurs that little people Basically know. controlled the dinosaurs. I never had that one. I was it Transformers like, or was it another toy? They were like di- they were like dinosaurs. Yeah, but then they'd have people riding them. 
Shit. They were fucking cool. I had a T-Rex and had batteries and it used to walk. It was like the best present this I ever got. This does sound familiar. <laughs> used to piss everyone off. Mm. That's so familiar. And I guess if you sat on a T-Rex's head, he wouldn't be able to get you with his little arms. He sat on the back. So uh. it, was a, it was a full strapping system that wrapped around the chest of the yeah. T-Rex to support a seat that the person drove. It was good. Oh, yeah, and then I, I couldn't catch the end of the movie, so. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't. So, I couldn't. Yeah. Oh, but I did get a good plot synopsis. So ultimately the plot of this movie is after the death of Optimus Prime during a devastating assault on Autobot City, the remaining Autobots are pursued by Galvatron, the regenerated form of Megatron and servant of Unicron, a planet-devouring Transformer who sets out to consume Cybertron. So it's nice yeah. that all the names rhyme there. I never noticed that before. Tron's popular. But I didn't get closure, Greg. The movie didn't end. So on that, why is it that some of the robots have voices that are robotic and others don't? Yeah, I was thinking that too because Optimus Prime doesn't. No, he's just got a sweet voice. And then some of them... Some of them are full-blown robot And some of them just have like a filter on their voice. Yeah. Yeah, and some of them are that. There's a, is that just accents? Are they from know. different parts of Robotron? Oh. World? Maybe maybe some of them are a bit more um, localized to Perhaps. Earth. That's a good point. Like first generation, second no, but they're all old. Uh, they're, no, they're all first generation. All. Please do let us know if you're a, if you're one of the voters from Movie Versus Survey that is a passionate passionate Transformer fan, or if you're from Cybertron, let either us know. Or, yeah. Either or, one or the other. Or the cassette the tape. Do or you have the- a cassette tape that comes out of your chest? Oh, sound the- wave. I had that. You had the toy? Yeah. I feel like that would be so valuable now because you would have had the same generation as me where it was solid metal. But was it, did it, was it, how did, I always wondered how that toy worked. Was it an actual cassette tape that you could play something on? I don't, yes. It was? That's cool. But then it got damaged very quickly. Yeah, I can imagine. I do wish I had some of those toys because I would sell them all and buy watches. (laughs) Toys for adults. Adult toys. Adult toys. Well, wait, what? Adult toys are something else. (laughs) (laughs) i was such an innocent sweet kid (laughs) i didn't even think of butt plugs then (sighs) uh sell them off with flashlights (laughs) um (laughs) i know what a flashlight is i had to explain it (laughs) maybe carol it's such a weird invention but i'm like how do you like how do you know about that i'm like because it's part of pop culture well this is yeah same goes with mech things no well, maybe, but I'm, yeah. What's mech? It just means when you wear a machine like a mech, and you get to do stuff. Fucking really? Like because it was in Aliens, it was in like yeah, yeah. And I'm Avatar. familiar with the. It's just called mech. Okay. Um, Greg, we touched on this, the old branded content <laughs> situation. So, like we just said. We've both worked in advertising for some time. Not, River not, runs deep here. Not the River kind of cool deep. advertising where you make cartoons so much, but branded content is a bit of a hot topic slash taboo topic in terms of it being like it's presumed to be shit. But this is evidence that branded content has been around forever and you're not and even conscious forever, of it. And by forever we mean since we 30 were years. <laughs> no, but even before that because Popeye was it originally branded for content spinach. for spinach. So it has been around forever as long as the world started in the 30s or whenever, whenever that came out. But it's uh, spinach, Popeye sells spinach, Santa sells Coca-Cola, get used to it, everything's selling bloody everything. Something. The Lego movie was good. Like everyone can win. 
Like, why can't you make a great? Or well, you can. You can make a great show based around a toy that it sells toys. People get the toys. No one's losing this. I don't get it. I don't get what the issue would be. Well, that's cool. Let's let's. You're, you're skipping to your conclusion. Sorry, let's, let's unpack it. A I got bit a little first. heated there. You unpack did. Um, so we go Hasbro. Yep. Fair play, Hasbro. Yeah. Cartoon made by a toy, designed to sell more toys. I've got to be honest, like you might have that point of view, but personally I was pretty devastated to discover that the writers didn't want to just use intergalactic space car robots in a war to teach me about the morals of good and evil. But (laughs) you make a good point, Greg, but what have we talked about on the show before? Limitations. Innovation comes from limitation and constraint. I don't like constraints. Someone said beautiful constraints to me the other day. I don't like because I don't like the book. I don't mean it from that yeah, book because I, I don't want to say it. So don't call it a beautiful constraint, I guess. But it's just um, limitation. I, I actually asked him not to, not to say it again. Yeah. So but limitation. So basically who they wouldn't have come up with this story if it wasn't based on, okay, how do we build a backstory for these toys? So I think it's a beautiful thing that it's – you get you watching that movie the other night with fresh eyes, it's the most bizarre thing I've seen in fucking ages. And it's because it's based on trying to turn a story out of this bizarre toy. You look at brainstorming techniques we do at work and stuff, right? It's all about trying to find these weird things to draw inspiration from. Mm. Like if you just yeah. had a blank slate and said make a kid's cartoon show, it would probably be something pretty vanilla. But if you said oh, make a kid's – Okay. Okay. Yep. Hit me. Got a show. Uh-huh. It's about okay, – let, okay, let's regroup. <laughs> Come back next week. We each have to have a new kid's show to to pitch to our listeners. Oh, okay. I'm down with that. Can I be based on a toy? Or can it it has to be 360, so it'll be a cartoon that's also a toy and also comic. It's got to be a universe. A universe. A video game sales. Transmedia storytelling. Anyway, yes. but it is interesting because we obviously done Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles in the past which had the reverse of this, right? It started as a comic book. That was a, that's a, that's a legitimate legitimate legitimate. But it's 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 the same formula just with a different starting point. So the comic book was a thing. Toy company wanted to make toys, but to sell the toys, they wanted to make the cartoon, and the cartoon was very different to the comic book. Um, but then you got things like Pokemon as well, that was like video game. What about Care Bears? Care Bears, so yeah, they, they Care were Bears, even, they were, were in physical toys. Yeah, they were apparently a greeting card, right? And then came the TV show, and then interesting. He Man, He Man, yeah, was was a toy, yeah, yeah. And obviously, his his Devastatingly amazing aesthetic. Mm, great haircut. Is he the only superhero with bangs? <laughs> <laughs> it was a lovely curled bang too. <laughs> he looked. My nan had hair like him at one point in time. <laughs> it was she, kind of she, a bob as she, well. Yeah, because she would use hair rollers. Yeah, remember those hair rollers? Did yeah. you ever see them? And they'd in the sit in the little yeah heater pack there, <laughs> and went in, and then you put them in the hot there. <laughs> And you, hold it and you roll them into your hair yeah. and you leave it there and then you get curly hair. Do people still do that? Oh, they've got curling irons now maybe. Oh, I don't know. Friends of the show that have longer <laughs> hair? Let us know. Let us know. I haven't hey, seen Hey, you know what I was just thinking though? Time. We're talking about all this toy business, toys driving the agenda. Did you know that Marvel was on the cusp of bankruptcy and was bought out by a toy company back in like the – Early nineties, whatever. Because you know, Marvel. Oh wow! Like Marvel's, Marvel's obviously huge now, right? But 
I th- we've touched on this before. It yeah. was nearly dead. Yeah. Like they sold all their characters. The reason why they What was the big – was it X-Men that well, they, shebanger-banged or – Well, no, they, they sold X-Men to Fox. They sold Spider-Man to Sony. They sold Hulk to Paramount. They what's shebanger-banged then? What, what's shebanger-banged? What, what was the shebanger-bang? Uh, well, it ultimately, so I think it was toys. So the, I, I don't know. I, oh, I don't you know mean the full the story. Bang. The shebanger bang. So I, what I think happened was it was it wasn't going well. They were selling off these things for yeah, movie yeah, yeah. rights because they were like, we whatever, have talked about this. this is quick money. Can't remember. And they still weren't winning. And I think a toy company, whoever was manufacturing the toys at the time, bought Marvel, and then ended up being Marvel. And then when it came to the Marvel uh, Studios, Marvel Cinematic Universe, they put it all on the line basically for the Iron Man movie and the Hulk Iron movie. Man. Yeah. yeah. Iron Man movie and the Hulk movie. No infographic. Good Man, well, speaking of He-Man, because, you know, Canon Films, friends of the show, made Bloodsport. made friends Lutz, of the yeah, show. They made the He-Man movie with Dolph Lundgren. They also held – this is how different it was back then. They held the rights to the Spider-Man, man. Like – and that the biggest fucking negotiation of our time in cinema is Sony and Marvel with Spider-Man. Canon had it and they didn't even make a Spider-Man movie. It was for a few hundred grand. That's crazy. Different times. Different, different times. times. Different times. Um, but wh- where do you ultimately land on it? Are you okay with this kind of branded content? Uh, yeah, I am, of course. Like the Lego movie, right? Man, I like, think it's okay if everyone look at what, wins. Like, look at the satisfaction I got out of the yeah. show as a kid. Like we're – Yes, I made my parents buy shit for me. That like, you know, is that evil? I don't think it's evil. They're gonna buy something. I did. I tell you what, I would say though. Back yeah. to uh, Optimus Prime dying. Yeah, I, I got a sense. I get a sense. I could be wrong, but from what I've read in the last twenty four hours on this show, ah, uh, yeah, it's still going, right? Yeah. My, my son Bruce is watching a version of this show, which is kind of cool. Yeah. But they reinvented all the time. So there's always new toys. For and, new toys. Yeah. So it's a bit of a cycle and that's kind of yeah. creativity-wise oh, maybe not so cool. Yeah. The So Optimus Prime, they, they used to kill off a heap of characters and they used the movie to kill off a heap of characters yeah, apparently. Yeah, and which is – yeah, okay. And that was, from what I understand, was an opportunity. To like bring a, in a, a deliberate opportunity toys. to bring in a bunch of new characters. Yeah. Which meant, hey, mum, i got to go and get the new characters. And one of them was Optimus Prime and people – Backlashed globally. I mean, so it's like it's a, kill it's, off a, it's a bit like it's a good point. Maybe that's where it gets too much when the product compromises the artistic integrity of like the storyline. Story, line. yeah, yeah so it's first. a good point. But he came back. Yeah, he came, but yeah, yeah. Look, I think it's it's maybe a gray yeah. area. Yeah, but it's interesting. Look, I can't I can't fault it because I grew up with this shit. So. Yeah, yeah. Should we talk about um voices? Yeah, the voices. Peter Cullen, what a lord. What a lord. So Peter Cullen is Optimus Prime in every version of Optimus Prime ever, I think. Yes, um, until recently. I think the uh, I think the rescue bots uh, or maybe even the generation before, like the last few. The movies, isn't he in those? No, no, he's the movies. Oh, Sorry. yeah, but not the animation. Sorry, good There's point. There's these new animations. Yeah, good point. I forgot about those. Um, but he does the movies, which is pretty fucking cool, isn't it? It's very cool because I remember watching the movies and thinking that sounds heaps like I remember. Great voice. I can't even attempt to try and do it. I don't have the richness. No, look, we, we're not yeah, going to pay gonna, respects. We're not, we don't shy away from a cheeky impression here and there, but uh, that's not going to happen. He does a um, he does a few other voices that we might know. Uh, I imagine many friends of the show, while we're talking 80s and 90s cartoons, were into Chippendale Rescue Rangers. 
So they had their main side. Well, they had two sidekicks, didn't they? They had the girl. Was, that, uh-huh. was her name Laura? I don't know. Laura. Laura. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds about right. For some reason that popped into my head. Yeah. And they had uh, Monterey Jack, who was the bigger mouse who uh-huh. liked cheese. Anytime there was cheese, hit the clip. Now, don't jump to conclusions, Chippo. Uh, maybe he just hates door-to-door salesmen. You can say that again. Look. Crikey. Leave? Why? We're already halfway there. So he's done that. Um, but there's a few others, isn't there? There's uh, there's a few others. One a little bit more um, obscure to the animation world. Mm. A bit more in the live action world. Ooh, I didn't get this one. This is interesting. He just does print it up. Interesting. Lap pack in disguise. Yeah, right. Don't yeah. you love these little uh, We live for the links, Greg. We live for the links. We die for the links. <laughs> uh there was another one, Eeyore in Winnie the Pooh. Really? He has done Eeyore, yeah. 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 He's got range. He has the man's got range. Um, but he talks about uh, the voice and and finding the voice of Optimus Prime. My brother Larry, a captain in the Marine Corps, had returned from Vietnam. He was a decorated uh, Marine and uh, the uh, Bronze Star with V and a couple of Purple Hearts. And we were sharing an apartment, and it was about 1984. Anyway, Larry's uh, 13 months older, five inches taller. So he said, Peter... Where are you going today? I said, I'm going to audition. I'm going to be, um, I'm auditioning uh, as a truck. And he, said, <laughs> he did the same thing. And so I, I said, but Larry, he's uh, evidently he's a hero truck. He's a real, I mean, he's a hero. And his face got somber and he said, Peter, if you're going to be a hero, be a real hero. Don't be a Hollywood hero type with all the BS and all the yelling and screaming and trying to be tough. Be strong enough to be gentle. So as his voice is ringing in my ears as I'm driving to the audition, and I read the copy, and Larry is just coming out, his voice, the way he talked to me. And it said, you know, I'm Optimus Prime. No, it was... My name is Optimus Prime. The softness in his adver- advisory tone was was significant, and so I, uh, the words just rolled off my tongue. I'm from the planet Cybertron, and blah 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 and blah blah blah. <laughs> kind of just sounds like his regular voice. It's pretty close, <laughs> but yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah, and to your point, not a robotic voice. Some somewhat inconsistent across the series, but and he's got a great voice, and like we said, he's been in a lot of the other movies. But should we talk about some of the other voice actors? Yeah. Well, let's go into a few of them. So um, first up, we've got Dan Gilvezan. 
that may be how you pronounce it. It may not be how you pronounce it. 80% not. Um, but he played Bumblebee in Outback. Um, he voiced Spider-Man in the 80s animated series. So uh, The Peter Marvel, Parker. The Peter, Peter Parker, um, staying in the Marvel family there. Then we got Casey Kasim, um, who played Blue Streak, Cliff Jumper, and Teletran. He was uh, the voice of Shaggy in the 60s all the way through the 90s and into the 2000s. But also this guy was also a radio host, Casey Kasim. So he co-founded American Top 40 and and hosted his own Casey's Top 40 on radio. These were like pretty big shows as far as I can tell in the US. Then we get to Scatman Crothers. Did you read about this one? He played jazz. Well, he played the character jazz, but he also played jazz in real life. This is the guy in The Shining. Which guy in The Shining? Like the groundskeeper that talks to the kid and he's like, you got that... You got that shining. How'd you know my name is Buck? Was it Buck or whatever they call him? I can't remember, yeah. You got the shining. Yeah, that's him. He also did voices in the Aristocats. Uh, He was in also again with Jack Nicholson in One Floor Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Also a legit music career, uh, which I didn't even recall this character really. Um, And I don't don't know if it was in the movie or what, or I just missed it. So I, I found a little clip just to reacquaint ourselves with him. As long as we're still in the outer atmosphere, I just might be able to swing it. Open up sky fire! I'm going outside! Watch it! That first step's a doozy! Okay, Decepticons, time to get down! So Jazz uh, climbed to the outside of the jet, turned into a Porsche and blasted music up at what looks like some <laughs> other kind of spacecraft. So, you know, typical, <laughs> typical Transformers episode there. But, yeah... What an interesting fella. Um, then we've also got Frank Welker who played uh, Megatron, Soundwave and like a whole laundry list of other characters. He played Fred on Scooby-Doo. Ah, there we go. He played Nibbler on Futurama. He played a variety of Smurfs. Um, he was a few characters in the Animaniacs and he, he did the, the voices or sound effects of the Martians in Mars Attacks. So these guys, again, like for something built for a toy, like – we're not just talking about some cheap and easy branded content here. We're getting top shelf voice talent. It's interesting, isn't it? Like we, you know, we we are so used to these days. Probably less so in the cartoons. But man, no. But we talked about it on Aladdin, right? Is we that did. what you yeah. I was going with. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like how there was a point in time where voice actors were voice actors, and it was kind of this magical mystery of like, that's the guy from this, that's the guy yeah. from that. And then yeah, and Robin Williams fucked it in the ass. <laughs> Robin Williams was the first. It seems like at least it started the chain reaction of like you got to get the big name in the animation and like it's yeah he was great and a lot of people were great but I feel like you're missing something here with these the these guys it's such it seems like a really interesting community of and they're they're doing voices they're not just being themselves with a little accent or something they're doing voices and and obviously Robin Williams could do that which is awesome yeah and look to be fair it's it's an interesting observation but if you look at the the, the volume of cartoons that built through my house yeah. i'm pretty sure none of the, i think they're all voice actors i think broadly speaking yeah like tv animation's probably still mostly voice actors but it's a point of observation it's a, it's it's a it's a shrinking industry, I guess, well, being purely a voice yeah. actor. Although you've got video games now too. Though. And you've got voiceover work and all yeah, that. And you've got I video guess. games. That's a whole That's other true. area. True. And there true. are some normal actors in that too. But anyway, anyway, we digress. We digress a little bit there. Um, 
But I mean, ultimately, so this is usually the part of the show where we go, all right, what's the verdict? And we go, oh, well, I think it holds up pretty well and all that kind of shit. This obviously holds up. It's been voted the number one 80s of our youth. I found the rewatch pretty enjoyable. I don't know, any other closing yeah, remarks? Yeah, I think it's pure nostalgia. Yeah. Like, and appreciation. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if I'd sit down and watch the whole series. I don't watch as many cartoons as I used to, but I'd probably endeavour, I'd give it a crack in trying to put Bruce in front of it and to see how he responded. Well, I think since revisiting it, now that I've seen that it's actually not as, well, aside from season two, which is a million episodes, the um, just looking at that generation one, I feel like it's achievable to watch a chunk of that, get a sense of what happened. It's interesting, but when am I going to find time to do that? But, yeah, I enjoyed it. It's fucking good, Enjoyed man. It. And it's still going. So how's that fucking legacy? Like, well bloody yeah. done. My son's watching it. Um, that's what we thought. It did, hey, hey, if you're new and if you came via um, big friend of the show, Movieverse, welcome to the show. Welcome to the show. We do this every new week. New friends of the show. New friends of the show if you're here and old friends of the show. Thank you for sticking with us for, for, through a new format and a little special episode. Give us some feedback. Do Give you, us some feedback. Do you want us to branch out into uh, other... Yeah. Things. Do you want a bit of uh, – I'd talk about a sitcom. I'd talk about music. I'd talk about any kind of cultural artifact from our youth, I'd say. Yeah. It'd be pretty fun. Um, but, yeah, if you're new to the show, stick around. We do this every week. We usually talk about movies, but as Greg said, we're very interested in branching out. Hit us up. And if you're yeah. a regular listener and you haven't already, please leave us a review. It helps us get found. Yeah. Those reviews help us immensely. Immensely. But otherwise, I guess that's it. Thanks for sticking around. And thanks again, big shout out to big friend of the show, Movieverse, for letting us take part in the biggest, most important nostalgic survey on the internet. Ever. Ever of all time. Let's do another one. Let's do another one together. He, oh, he's just posted Ultimate 80s movies. Ultimate going to be the 80s. next one. Um, and we've got a deal going here. So whatever wins that, we're going to do an episode on. We've already done Back to the Future, so vote for something else. But we could do it again, I suppose. And that's the show. Bye. 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 Bye.